blood moon has risen. It is time to tell stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. A black cat brings us a true story. A vampire bat bites into a tall tail. An owl flies in a story from another world. Greetings. This is Blood Moon Podcast. I'm your Blood Moon host, Andrew Carey. The Blood Moon Podcast is summoning listeners to share their stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. If you want your story to be brought to life, please submit it at bloodmoonpodcast.com. Would you ever stay the night at a friend's house if you knew it was haunted? I certainly would. A black cat found a story about this very scenario. I used to visit my friend at her house out in a rural farming area before she moved. I'd sleep over a lot, and we'd just hang out and draw. I usually slept in the living room on the couch, and there were two mirrors in the room fairly close to the TV. When the TV was off and I was walking by, I started seeing shadows move behind me. I thought it was just a warped TV screen or something. Then, one evening, I walked into the living room to get my sketchbook so I could sketch in her bedroom. I bent over and picked it up, stood up straight, looked in the mirror, and there was a man behind me. The man was standing in the hallway, leading to the living room. He was average height, bald, and a bit old. I turned to look at him, and no one was there. I turned to look at the mirror again, and he was gone. I felt a little spooked. Another time, we were just sitting in the living room, and we heard what sounded like a little kid's footsteps running quickly across on the floor upstairs.
She had two adult siblings, but they were out at work, leaving us alone. Around that time, I decided to sleep in my friend's room instead of the living room, only to wake up in the middle of the night to see four of our posters slowly get peeled off the wall. It wasn't them falling and dragging each other down. They looked as if someone was carefully unsticking the tape and taking them down. The next morning, my friend put them back up, saying, I need to get better tape for these. She and her family eventually moved out because they couldn't afford to live there anymore. We had never really talked about what happened in the house as if talking about it would make it worse. But after she moved, I finally said, Dude, your house was haunted. I hope you realize that. She replied with, Yeah, I knew it was. Some guy and his granddaughter lived there, but he killed her and himself. So it was probably them or something. I didn't tell you because I didn't want to scare you away from hanging out with me. Then she dug out a copy of a news article she got from a local newspaper about the murder. The picture that went with the article was a picture of the man I saw standing behind me. Unfortunately, I have no clue where to find that article now, or if my friend still has her copy. If I dug enough, I could probably find it. But I don't have the time, and I don't live near the area anymore. I don't even remember her town's name or her address because they moved out close to 10 years ago. So you'll have to take my word for it. shared their sighting of a reptilian humanoid. Now, an owl flies in with a story about a terrifying encounter with a reptoid. Driving at night through the rainfall in Riverside, California, Charles Wetzel turned on the radio. The Bloomington native was on his way home. The car slowly rolled through the flooded road as he passed by the overflowing Santa Ana River. An eruption of static blared from the car's speakers. Wetzel turned the knobs looking for a clear reception However, the interference continued, and then the radio went out. In a blur, a dark mass jumped in front of his car. 
Wetzel froze when fluorescent eyes pierced through the darkness. A flurry of claws scratched away at the windshield. In the headlights, Wetzel caught glimpses of leaf-like scales and a mouth that protruded from the creature's round head. Then, it leapt onto the car's hood, trying to break through the glass barrier. The monster's screeches filled the air. Sheer terror consumed the driver as he realized that the thing was after him. Wetzel scrambled to retrieve his gun. He pulled the weapon out of his glove box and aimed it at the menacing beast. Reason overrode his fear. If he shoots out the windshield and doesn't kill the creature, then it could kill him. He laid down the gun and hit the gas. The reptilian creature fell off the hood and hit the road. Wetzel proceeded to drive over the thing as its long, thin arms continued to thrash away. Its screeching pierced the night as Wetzel sped away. The distraught driver headed for the nearest police station. He reported his harrowing encounter and officers inspected his car. They found deep scratches on the hood and windshield, as well as oily residue. The officers also found similar damage to the underside of the car. Then, an investigation was conducted at the scene of the attack. No remains were found. Bloodhounds could not pick up a scent, and no signs of an attack was ever found. The next evening, a different car passed through the same stretch by the Santa Ana River. A reptilian creature suddenly lunged at the metallic intruder, but its prey escaped. can be a spooky place. It can inspire a sense of adventure as well as danger. A black cat dug up this account of a disturbing discovery that was made in the wilderness. Air Force Security Forces Airmen. My girlfriend was at work, and as a swelteringly hot day began to turn into thunderstorms, my buddy Nick and I decided to go explore some back roads and get out of the heat in town. 
Southern Oregon is crisscrossed with logging roads, some actively used, and many totally forgotten and grown over. Nick and I spent many of our days off, starting on roads that we knew, finding roads we didn't know, driving for hours into the mountains, eventually navigating back to paved roads. On this particular day, with storm clouds building over the mountains, we set off on a road we had never been on and began the drive into the mountains. After driving for around an hour, we hadn't seen or heard any signs of other people in the woods. We rounded a bend in the thick fir woods and emerged in a meadow that was totally surrounded by thick aspen groves. The meadow was perfectly flat and eerily still. We both noticed the strange stillness almost immediately. No birds, hardly an insect noise, no squirrels, and certainly no other people. On the far side of the meadow, right at the edge of the tree line, there was a picnic table. The table was very odd, however. It was painted bright orange. It was much larger than a typical picnic table in a park. Remarking on this, Nick drove through the meadow to get a closer look. I remember being apprehensive as we approached. The whole scenario was exceptionally strange. The overall silence of the aspen grove was unsettling. Also, it was nearly impossible to see far into the trees, as aspens grow extremely close together. When we parked by the table, I hopped out of the passenger seat of the truck to check it out. I'm not very tall, only about 5'5". Five five. Regardless, the table was ridiculously oversized and practically unusable. The seats were nearly at chest level, meaning I would have to climb up to even sit on them. As I was looking at the table, Nick called me over to the truck, and I noticed he was looking back into the aspens. At first, I couldn't see what he was looking at, but then I noticed a splash of color that was completely out of place in the thick trees. A small one-man tent was set back in the trees, about 50 feet from the strange table. I had an initial feeling of dread and felt certain that there was someone in the tent, and if we could see the tent, they could see us. There were no campgrounds in this area, no people, no main roads for miles. Surely, someone camping so remotely would be, at the very least, a strange person. However, as we observed the tent, we didn't see any movement or hear any sounds coming from it. Nick suggested I call out. I didn't want to, but I did. Hey, anyone in there? I yelled. No reply. Feeling completely on edge, Nick and I thought about driving away and leaving the strange area. But we began to fear the worst. 
What if there was a body in the tent? What if somebody had gotten kidnapped? Foolish, I know, but we thought it. All the same. After some debate, we decided to have Nick turn the truck around to drive away from the camp. Should we need to leave in a hurry, he would be waiting behind the wheel. With my heart pounding, I started walking through the trees towards the tent. I was totally keyed up with my senses on full alert. When I reached the campsite, several things struck me as odd. Backpacks were scattered all over. No fire had been built. No wood collected. The tent was literally full of backpacks and women's clothing. Full of dread, I turned to leave and tell Nick what I had seen. As I left, I heard Nick start yelling. Let's go! Let's get out of here! Not knowing why he was yelling, I ran back to the truck. When I broke out of the trees, I saw a beat-up old Ford Taurus on the road, blocking us from leaving the meadow. I immediately leapt into the passenger seat, and Nick floored the gas pedal. The car was occupied by two men, The third person was laying against the window in the back. As we drove across the meadow, the driver attempted to block us from the road, but Nick drove around them and accelerated the way we had come from. I looked back and saw the car attempting to turn around on the narrow road. Nick drove like a madman, and though I was honestly terrified that they would catch up, We hit the highway without seeing the car again. I still do not know if the person in the back was male or female. I called the state police and they promised to send a trooper to check out the scene. However, I received a call the next day from a trooper stating that the campsite, the backpacks, and the woman's clothing were all gone though he could tell people had been in the area. The strange table was still by the Aspen Grove. I have not returned to the area, and I do not intend to. The Blood Moon is Setting. Sources for this episode include the APRO Bulletin from November 1958, WeirdCA.com, RABrewster.com, Bustle.com, and Reddit. You can follow Blood Moon Podcast on Instagram at The Blood Moon Podcast. Thank you for listening.